Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyal, your host. We are already in the second Sunday of the Great Fast, the season of repentance, in other words, of Lent. On this Sunday in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, there is a separate office or an additional office of prayer for a saint of the Eastern Church named St. Gregory Palamas. Now, St. Gregory Palamas, relatively speaking, was a later saint. He was the Archbishop of Thessalonica, and which, of course, is in Greece, and he lived from 1269 to 1359 A.D. And Gregory is an interesting person because he articulated something which, to the Western mind or ear, is maybe perhaps a bit odd or strange, but to the East, it makes a lot of sense. What he did was he was part of that spirituality we know as the Hesychists. The Hesychists means silent, quiet. It has a lot to do with a monastic spirituality, which emphasizes being quiet, being open to the presence of God, and to come to know that sense of God through a particular brief prayer that is a real gem of the Eastern churches. It's called the Jesus Prayer. It's very simple. It says, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Very simple. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, this prayer, although simple, like everything else in spirituality, is profound. It's certainly a prayer that should be said during the Lenten season, but it can be said all the time. It's, in fact, the great spiritual masters of the Eastern churches, the desert monks, and people like St. Gregory Palamas would say this prayer throughout the day, almost constantly. Although it is simple, it is very profound. And St. Gregory Palamas also was an advocate of something else that we refer to as the theology of Christ's divine energies, of God's divine energies, and of light. See, these concepts of light, energy, of what we might call an apophatic theology, that means like a coming to know God by not knowing. In other words, it's, I guess you could almost call it 
a deep, mystical, intuitive sense of the presence of God. And it has a lot to do with silence. That's why they were called hesychists, because in silence, as we contemplate God, we come into a union with God, a kind of a mystical union, where we know the presence of God that takes us even beyond any image of God. You know, whenever we pray, we often have an image of God. We have an image, like, say, for instance, we may look at a crucifix or an icon of Christ. Maybe we pray before a statue of Christ. We pray in a church. We need imagery, absolutely. But the Hesychus spirituality was such that the prayer would come to a point where we would have almost a union with God or an image of God with no image. In other words, it's, it's, a, it's a very mystical kind of union where we go deep enough in prayer and silence where the presence of God so fills us. We, we, we have a sense of being so close and intimate with God that even transcends even images. Images are necessary. They're important. But they also have a limitation. In other words, God is described in a sense, in the negative in Eastern spirituality, especially by people like St. Gregory Palamas and the Hesychist monks. In other words, we talk about God in terms of what we don't know or can't say about him. For example, we say that he is invisible, immeasurable, infinite, incomprehensible. Those are all negatives. That, that prefix I-N means like a non or a negative. In other words, he can't be adequately measured. He can't be adequately comprehended. He can't be adequately understood. Yes, we know much about him, thanks to God himself, as he has revealed himself to us. And we ought to know a lot about God. But there is a union with God that all theology, all prayer is really aimed at. It's aimed at bringing us into an intuitive or mystical union with God, where Well, for instance, like two lovers who really, really love each other. Ever notice that? There are times when I would sit at a restaurant and I would, you know, look at people from time to time. And I would oftentimes notice couples who would be sitting there together eating, but they weren't saying anything to each other. And for a while, I thought that was kind of odd. Maybe the relationship wasn't good. But then I began to learn, and I even know from my own experience, when I'm with people who I have very close relationships with, relationships in the Lord. I notice that oftentimes less is more, that you don't have to say much in order to sense being close to them, being very much in their presence and they in your presence. And this mystical prayer I'm talking about in the spirituality of the Hesychus, this prayer of silence, this spirituality of silence, is something like that, where you just know, you sense something that not even words are adequate. It's almost like they would get in the way images and words, as important as they are, they come to a point where even they have the limitations, and we transcend the confines, the limits of even the most beautiful and adequate words, the most beautiful and deepest concepts of God or understandings or descriptions of God. We go beyond words. We go beyond really anything, and we just sense this closeness to the beloved, very much like people who have been very close to each other for many years, like a happily married couple who've been married for many years. They don't have to say anything. They're just in each other's presence. They have a sense of knowing that goes beyond words, like words are not necessary. They're important, they're good, but there's a point when they're no longer necessary. There's this sense of a real union that goes beyond the words. Well, the Palamite spirituality, the Hesychus spirituality, is very much like this, and it's very characteristic of the Eastern spirituality. We call this epiphatic because it means like a negative knowing, a knowing by not knowing. There's more that we can say that God is not 
then we can say that he is. We can say many things about him, of course, from the tradition of the church, from the great theologians, the great spiritual masters, and the scriptures. We can, yes, we can say many, many things, and we ought to say many, many things. In fact, in the Byzantine liturgy, it's very, very wordy because we're trying to, in a sense, grope grope for words and ways to describe God. But there comes a point when we leave all that behind and we come to a knowing of God that no words, no categories, no images are adequate. And this was the spirituality of the Hesychus. It's a kind of a mystical union with God. And the use of that prayer, the Jesus prayer, was very instrumental in this. In fact, the way that we would say this prayer is we would actually synchronize it with our breath so that the very word of our Lord is on our very breath. We would inhale and say to ourselves, Lord Jesus Christ, exhale, Son of God. Inhale, have mercy on me, exhale, a sinner. So that prayer becomes total. In other words, we just don't say prayers. We just don't do prayers. We just don't pray. We actually become prayer. Remember, the scriptures talk about praying unceasingly. In a way, that means to actually become prayer, just like the two lovers. They become one even beyond the limitations of words. So the Jesus prayer is a prayer that is to provide for us an avenue for that oneness with God, that mystical experience That's why it's very simple, but it's profound. Think about the words, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if we stop there, what are we doing by saying that? Well, we're saying a lot. We are acknowledging God as our Lord and Savior, as our Lord. Just to be able to do that is the most important thing we could possibly do. We acknowledge Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord. The second person of the Trinity that took on flesh, walked around, among people on this earth is at the same time our Lord. He is God. And just to meditate on that is an awesome, awesome challenge. To really, really try to sense, to understand as best we can just that idea. Lord Jesus Christ. And how important that is to acknowledge Jesus as our Lord. The second part of it is, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. Now we have a proclamation there of who Jesus is. This might seem obvious to us, but when you think about it, you go back in history in the church, so much of the heresies of the church, so many of the councils that were called to define the teaching of the church, had to do with the question of who is Jesus really? I mean, how do we have a being that is fully human, except for sin, fully human, and fully God? Does his divinity, which is so much greater than humanity, subsume his, his humanity? Does his divinity swallow up his humanity? Or because that would seem so difficult to understand, we go the opposite way. We say, well, he really wasn't divine. He couldn't be totally divine. Otherwise, he would have swallowed up his humanity. So he was just like a superhuman. No, neither way is correct. The correct way is to say, Son of God. He is God, God's Son. God sent the second person, the Trinity, who took on flesh and became our Lord and Savior. He is God and he is human. So Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, then the next part, have mercy on me, a sinner. There lies the only correct posture, and certainly one that is most appropriate during Lent. In fact, everything about the Lenten season in the Eastern churches is to get us to say that, 
have mercy on me, a sinner. We acknowledge ourselves before God with the only authentic, honest, sensible, reasonable way that we can acknowledge ourselves before God. And that is in two ways, as a sinner and as a person of gratitude. Now, when we say that we're sinners, we're not trying to beat ourselves on the head or or enter into some kind of psychological neurosis. What we're doing is we're saying that in relation to God, our sinfulness, our lowliness, in relation to Him, not just our sinfulness in and of itself, but our sinfulness in relation to God is magnified, made more concrete, more real when we contemplate God as our Lord God and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we return, we're going to talk more about the Hesychus spirituality with St. Gregory Palamas and the whole spirituality of the Jesus Prayer. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church. We need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. You're listening to Father Thomas Lawyer on Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyal, your host. In this second Sunday of Lent in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, we focus on some interesting aspects of Eastern spirituality that were highlighted by a saint named Gregory Palamas. And again, he lived from 1269 to 1359. And we're talking about concepts such as light, silence, union with God, an epiphatic knowledge of God, and a handy little tool to bring us into those concepts, that union with God, the tool of the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Before I go any further, I do want to highlight a few things that are happening at Annunciation Parish and in parishes that are related to us, some of the other Byzantine parishes in our area. This Sunday, as we do all Sundays of Lent, we have Lenten Vespers on Sunday evening. And what we do in the area around my church is we host those Lenten Vespers at a different Byzantine church each Sunday during Lent. And this particular Sunday, Sunday, February 18th, the Vespers will be held at St. Michael Byzantine Catholic Church in Maryville, Indiana. That will be at 3 o'clock. 
We have other things coming up, too, throughout the week. We have the Wednesday night and Friday night prayer of the presanctified gifts at Annunciation Church. We have some other things coming up area-wide. On February 25th, our bishop, Bishop Milan, will be in our area. He'll be giving a retreat at the Carmelite Retreat Center in Munster, Indiana. Also, there'll be a teen retreat that'll be next Sunday and the third Sunday of Lent, and that'll be held at St. Mary's Byzantine Catholic Church in Whiting, Indiana. There are a number of things coming up, but I'll just let you know about those things so far. I don't want to confuse you too much. So we have several events and many more coming up during the Lenten season. To find out the complete schedule at Annunciation Parish and in the surrounding Byzantine parishes during Lent, you can go to our website, byzantinecatholic.com. You'll see a complete schedule of what's happening Lent-wise in the area at and around Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church. So go to byzantinecatholic.com and you'll see our schedule for Lent. A little bit more now about the Palamite spirituality and the Hesychus spirituality. Silence is something that is vital to our spiritual life. This is what the Hesychist monks and St. Gregory Palamas promoted. That's why the word Hesychist is used. It means silence. In other words, being in that presence of God, that intuitive, apophatic, mystical union with God, at least as close as we can get to that union on this earth. Of course, in heaven, that's what heaven will be about anyway, forever. It'll be that complete union with God. But while we're on this earth, we have to do certain things, or actually not do certain things as well, that will open us to that union, that silence, that apophatic kind of prayer, a prayer of unknowing, knowing by unknowing. Silence is rare today. You know, I've often wondered, why we seem to be addicted in our culture to din. Now, sometimes when I say that, people don't know what the word din is. Maybe it's an old-fashioned word, but din means a constant useless noise. It's usually kind of irritating, and it's just everywhere. It's constant. I'll go see people in their homes, or I'll visit people in the hospital. They're laying in the hospital bed, and the television is constantly on. In fact, sometimes they hardly even know how to turn it off or to mute it. I don't even know how to do that sometimes. It's almost like they're insisting that that TV be on constantly. Here I'm trying to pray, trying to talk to the person, hear a confession, and you've got this din in the background that you can hardly get rid of. You pull up to a gas station, you want to pump gas. I just want to be alone. I don't want to have something in my ear or my face. And there it is, in my ear and my face. There's a TV screen, and it's got advertisements and all kinds of nonsense coming at you or loud music over the speakers. I don't want that. Can't you just leave me alone for a few seconds? I just want to pump gas. I just want to pump gas. I want to fill my car and move on. But instead, you're assaulted. Everywhere we go, ever notice how people, even when they have guests at home, they will keep the TV on in the background. It happens to me a lot when I visit people who are sick or homebound. The TV will be on. They won't even notice that it's on. And they won't even think to turn it off. It's because we become addicted to din, to noise. And why is that? I think it's because we're, in a sense, maybe afraid of hearing what we do hear when we have silence. There's two things we hear. We hear our own inner voice the good and the not so good. In other words, we can become honest with ourselves in the classroom of silence, as the great Catholic presenter Matthew Kelly would say. Secondly, and most importantly, we do hear the voice of God. And I think both of those things frighten us. So we outshout them with this constant din. 
The voice of God and our own inner voice can be very, very inspiring, but it can also be very indicting. There's a certain honesty that happens in the classroom of silence, an honesty about ourselves, an honesty about God and what God might want to say to us. And so this spirituality of silence that was developed especially by these Eastern spiritual masters like St. Gregory Palamas, who we celebrate today in the second Sunday of Lent, this silence is vital to us, especially in our day and age. We have so much automation, we have television, we have cars, computers, earbuds, all these things that pour noise and sound into us incessantly. In the classroom of silence, we hear our voice, our true self, and we hear the voice of God. I believe that in the Latin rite, this is one of the reasons why the devotion of Eucharistic adoration is growing and growing in its popularity. I think it's our need for silence that is being met, especially in the Latin rite, with that particular devotion, where people simply sit in silence before the presence of God in the Eucharist that is there exposed. In the Eastern churches, we don't expose the Eucharist in the same way, but the Eucharist is always present in the church, in the tabernacle, which is always on the altar in the sanctuary. To come into a Byzantine church, knowing that the presence of God is always there, and to be surrounded by the icons that communicate the presence of God and the saints and the angels and the Blessed Mother, to do that is another way of achieving a certain union with God, a certain open space for God to speak to us during this Lenten season. I would like to invite you to take seriously this spirituality of silence. Make room for God. You know, Matthew Kelly would say, 10 minutes of silence a day would change your lives. It changed his life in early age. So he knows. 10 minutes of silence will sometimes sound excruciating, <laughs> the, the silence can be deafening, <laughs> make us very uncomfortable because we're not used to it. In fact, if you try to remain silent, reverently silent, not just silence for silence sake, but to be silent in the presence of God, to do that even for a few minutes, I guarantee you, at first you'll feel very uncomfortable. What do I do now? I get kind of bored. But you just have to stay with it. Open your heart, do the Jesus prayer, move into silence that way. Say that prayer, synchronize it with your breath. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Just keep doing that over and over again. First of all, you'll be relaxed. You'll be more focused. You come back to base and you'll be open to hear the voice of God. And if you don't hear anything, well, so what? You come before the Lord and say, I am here, Lord. I'm here to be in your presence. Speak to me if you wish. Be with me if you wish but I am here. I am making this space for you. It'd be amazed what that does for you when you allow a little bit of silence in your life. 10 minutes, ideally an hour. Remember Jesus said to the apostles, could you not wait even an hour with me? That was during his very intense time, the Garden of Gethsemane, where he went to commune with his Father in heaven, to have that intimate union. And he was disappointed that the apostles themselves could not take advantage of that silence. They fell asleep. They said, could you not wait for me even one hour? To spend the hour with the Lord is ideal, but at least spend a few minutes. Make that part of your 
Lenten devotion. It can only take a few minutes. Start out incrementally. That's a good way if you want to develop a spiritual practice. Lots of times people come to me and they're kind of frustrated because they're they're not able to pray as much as they would like or they feel they should. They can't stay focused at things during Mass or liturgy. And what I'll tell them is I'll tell you, do things incrementally in the spiritual life. Set definite goals that are manageable. In other words, goals that you are pretty confident you'll be able to accomplish. But be consistent. That's the key. Have consistent silence in your life during the day, during the week, especially during Lent. And then as you come to learn that, as you come to master that, as you get used to that, then you can expand on it. You can extend it. You can set an even higher goal. And before long, you'd be amazed at what you're able to accomplish in your prayer life, in your spiritual life. But you have to start out with definite goals, and they have to be consistent and manageable. Those are the three things I recommend to you. Consistent goals, manageable, and definitely decide to set those goals. That's what Lent is about. Lent is a time, a golden opportunity to set spiritual goals. And one of those has to be this deeper union with God that comes and can only come with silence. Saying the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. EWTN's official YouTube channel. Just follow the link on our homepage at EWTN.com or go to YouTube.com slash EWTN. Watch EWTN's live shows or today's homily from the Daily Mass. Click the upload button to see our most recent clips. You can also find all of EWTN YouTube content by clicking the playlist button. It's all on the official EWTN YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash EWTN. Visit today. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!